Welcome to the Altus Insights podcast series with Ray and Marlin, hosted by me, Avi. This podcast will cover monthly market updates and construction cost impacts across major markets in Canada. Purpose-built rental has been a hot trend. Will it get hotter? The affordability issue we're experiencing in some of the major markets are caused by low supply versus increasingly high demand. Luckily, purpose-built rental has been thriving with new construction. Let's dive in and discuss the asset type whose demand is only increasing and addressing the gaps in the market. Ray, the first question will be for you. Seeing that 25% of condo purchasers are investors and there's a shortage in rental and housing uh, product, sorry, purpose-built rental adds supply to the market while providing more options to tenants. We see that there are 200 active development applications with the City of Toronto, with 28 first submissions submitted since November 2021, and 183 in Vancouver, with 32 first submissions submitted since December of 2021. How else does this project type fill in the gap and satisfy growing housing needs? You know, it it barely does, if anything. Because in, in Canada, we have a huge shortage of, of housing in, in general. So especially when you look at from an affordability standpoint, as well as from the, the purpose-built rental. So some of those elements that you mentioned, Abby, with the, the number of uh, active developments, those 200 active developments, they only represent about... Um, 55,800 units, um, and that's only a, still a relatively sm- small supply of the close to about 400,000 uh, apartment units in the in the GTA. So when you look at that component of it, and you look at Vancouver, there's still a relatively shortage, and especially when you compare the overall vacancy rates across Canada, you can see there's a huge shortage of of choices and what you mentioned about um, the residential um, condos at twenty five percent, I think in in our previous discussions that that's that's more of a national number, and the number is probably a little bit higher when you look at Toronto and Vancouver, and that's a positive news. Adding um, uh, from investor standpoint, um, increase. Um, number of um, of units to the marketplace, but still a relatively shortage. And when you look at from a demand perspective, all you have to look at, and this is not um, any, any big secret, you look just look at the demographics and the immigration. The immigration, we're anticipating plus 400,000 um, people annually over the next couple of years. And you know, if you look at the characteristics, characteristics of, of people coming to this country, um, it's it's they want to be close to urban areas. They want to be close to public transit because it's not likely, or they may not have a car by then. And typically, it takes anywhere from one to two years to save enough money to purchase their own place. So, from a, a, a apartment standpoint, that that's that that's going to see a lot more demand, especially when we when we've seen minimal sort of immigration over the last couple of years with the pandemic. And we look at the retirement side, and they have a lot more disposable income. So they're also expecting sort of a better quality of apartments, you know, granite countertops, a little bit more amenities. And again, they want to be close to, to, to public transit and restaurants and retail as well. So there's coming back to the influx of demand in the urban 
part of it. And I know that there's been a lot of discussion on the suburban side, but but you have to look at some of those characteristics when we move back more to normal. And we the other generation that you're looking at, the you know, Gen Y itself, and they want to be close to the, the activity and based on the, the affordability of housing right now, sometimes there's not that choice that you want to buy, but you just can't afford homes right now. So we're probably going to see a lot more demand and we're seeing in the applications from purpose-built rental from uh, investors and institutions. And also you look at the, the amount of development land that's been sold over the last couple of years. So we're probably going to see a lot more activity in the residential side, but the challenge right now is still very supply constrained. Yeah, and I, I'm, yeah, I think that, I mean, we're going to talk about affordability in the near future, um, but I think the supply demand constraint has been discussed a lot and purpose-built rental filling the gap. I think it differs depending where you are in the country. Um, and a lot of the purpose-built rental is actually not driven by purpose-built rental necessarily filling the gap. I think it was a slew of institutional investment coming into market looking at long-term holds. And then to a degree, existing apartment owners sort of seen that as a, an opportunity to release some untapped intensification or funds from the, their site. So I think we're going to see a, a little bit of a challenge going forward, albeit the higher numbers on the purpose-built rental. And I have to say, Ray, it's nice to see you back in the office for once rather than just the fireplace in the background. As I always like, you've basically gone from nice warm fireplace to the jail cell look we like with the gray and the, the line, the bars on the walls that we have with all this, but <laughs> welcome to Toronto. Well, yeah, yeah. the thing is, I, I, I miss the office and uh, I miss, I, 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 I'm, I'm just tired of the basement. So this gives me a, a chance to move around a little bit. But when I was uh, driving downtown this morning, I really understood the there's a new definition for TTC. I think it stands for, in Toronto at least, um, take the car because the roads are, are packed again and, and you just see the number of people coming downtown. But I also think on the opposite side that we're still seeing a bit of a laggard in the way of public transit or people taking it. I look forward to coming back to the office. But yeah, right, it's nice to see you there. Although I loved the fireplace. It was a staple of the podcast, so I guess... We have a new staple now, but but it's good to see you back there. Uh, so the next question, Marlon, will be for you. What's the difference when doing a performa on a purpose-built rental versus a condo, and why is it more complicated to do a performa on a purpose-built on a purpose-built rental? I think the different goals with a rental. You're looking at a long-term hold. So I'm not sure it's more complicated. It's an alternate goal horizon that you're looking at. So rather than looking at an immediate return, using the term immediate loosely in front, or we know the approvals are appalling. So basically eight years to get a return. I don't know about immediate, but, and it varies a lot depending on location. It's not just the same rule in every location. Um, it varies province by province, and it even varies from city within city within the provinces as well. Um, if you've got to purchase the land, if you already own the land, if it's intensification, if the finance is structured, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's a real fun recipe on the rental side versus the condos a little bit more, I wouldn't say straightforward, but it's different. And rentals are long-term look, like looking at stabilization these days almost makes zero sense whatsoever. You're looking five, 10 years out instead. Um, it's also a lot more sensitive on the pro forma. So right now, if you, in terms of dealing with risks on the condo side, you just add 15 bucks, add 50 bucks a square foot to the, the revenue. You still sell pretty much everywhere. Woohoo, I fixed the problem. 
when you're trying to look on a rental thing, you're trying to look at all of these risk assumptions over a long period of time. So you're looking at rent rates, you're looking at annual rent growth, cap rates. It's not just the cost side of the equation, and it's all over this huge, long development horizon. And you also then have, you've got a lease-up period, and then you've got a hold period. So if you have a 1% shift in rental rates in terms of escalation down, or the cap rates don't start staying aggressive, those assumptions can move really quickly. Um, and again, again, condo, you fix the revenue up front. Rental, you, it's not fixed until you've actually finished and you've made the capital investment. So your return is known once you've spent the money versus before. Other factors, often on the pro forma, higher equity can be a requirement on the rental side of things. Again, it depends how you structure the finance, the CMHC premiums you can pay, and there's different financing structures. Um, you don't have uh, deposits, which is cheap money to use. It, it's a, a bit of an odd structure. And then the other thing when you're modeling rental, you're actually modeling, modeling the operating and holding period. So again, you're looking 10, 20 years out, not just the five to six development horizons. Why we kind of like, we do all our performers in um, Argus Estate Master just because we love the ability to do those cash flows and that sensitivity and stuff. That isn't the sales pitch, by the way. That's just the way we like to do them ourselves. And intensification works because the land's free for want of a better term. But even now on the intensification plays in Toronto, we're starting to see the intensification play go to entitlement and actually flip the land off to a condo guy because it's hard to make rental work. And again, on the pro forma, everyone gets very excited about the saving side on the pro forma. I don't need to pay uh, brokers. I save on my marketing. All that money basically just flips into the HST, that you pay HST on deemed disposition on a rental building. On a condo, the purchaser's paying it in the sales price. So I think in Toronto, we're seeing it a lot harder to make rental work. It is more complex. I think in Montreal right now, seeing a slew of projects, it's a little easier in terms of a cost environment in Montreal. Ottawa, Calgary's flipped over into condo side. Um, Halifax, Edmonton's all the time rental. And then we see Vancouver sort of in between. So again, that really talks to how rental does change. And I think the larger challenge on the revenue side that was already seen in Toronto and to a degree in Vancouver is the top end of the rent versus the bottom end. So the bottom end's got room to come up. The problem is, is the top end now, there's big questions over whether or not we've hit the peak. Is $5 a peak? Can we rent for $6 a square foot in Toronto? Where do we end up? And again, it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, sort of the moronic policy of inclusionary zoning starts to have an impact in Toronto on purpose-built rental in that it hits the condo side first and then purpose-built rent later. So I don't know if we'll see a shift into rental in that the economics are a little bit trickier. Um, or whether or not we'll start to just see, you know, tents at Queen's Park where people are going to live because housing starts to slow down a little bit. It's interesting, Marlon, with, with those comments, because what we've seen recently, um, you know, sort of during the pandemic, when there's, a, I wouldn't say a bit of a panic, but we, we did see um, um, some uh, urban or downtown um Multi-purpose um, rentals move up a little bit. Um, you know, only about fifty to about seventy-five basis points, depending on where you are. But still, it was an increase. And you also saw more sort of inducements and some um, you know, lower rents into with um, some, especially the investors trying to um, fill up their space. But what we're seeing now, based on some of the renewals, because some of them were short-term, one to two years, is a big spike up in uh, rents or the asking rents. And I'm not sure, that, that's probably relative to the overall housing prices, because now if you look at the average apartment price in um, in uh, Toronto, it's, it's, it's north of um, um, almost $1.2 million, and uh, it's about $1,200 a square foot. 
So are the rents based on uh, the last couple of years start, uh, is that, are we gonna pr probably gonna see more increase in rents based on the increase in housing costs as well? And how's that sort of impact uh, the performance numbers if you uh, sort of anticipate that, that, that increase in, in uh, rent numbers in some of your projects? Well, and that's the big question you have right now is if you look, if you perform a rent right now and you perform it over time, usually you're assuming say two and a half, three percent per annum rental increase. How much of the condos going up? They're going up seven, 10% a year. I mean, condo rates have almost more than doubled since 2017 in Toronto in particular. And we've seen those, uh, those condo rates increase significantly in most of the major cities that are condo centric anyway. So I think you could argue the condo rates have significantly exceeded the rental rates. Also, the condo didn't take the same hit during the pandemic. We know the downtown cores in cities took a big hit during the pandemic. Um, using Toronto as an example, the 905 had rental increases in the pandemic. 416 got hammered, and that's kind of reversed now where the 905, I wouldn't say is level, but compared to the 416 in terms of recovery, it hasn't happened at the same pace. And you can see that picture in different markets. So I think the argument tends to be that the revenue increase is seen there. And we are seeing in Toronto now where projects have started off as two towers, one's going to be rental, one's going to be market, a condo, going all condo. Because again, it's the location now is that I can get 1600 bucks a square foot for a condo. Can I get $5.50 a square foot for rent? Well, if it starts to get a little tricky as you get up to that top end of the market again. So I think rental is going to stay strong. Um, if you look, there is different percentages in each of the markets in what is rental, but I think the, the economics are challenging. and revenue has to go up. The problem is, is where can it go? And I know I mentioned earlier, we'll have to talk about affordability another day, but there's major challenges in the market, even though both products are proceeding. Yeah. Great discussion. Thank you both. So the next question, I guess, uh, bit toward Ray, but Marlon, if you could add to it as well, please feel free. So we discussed that two bedroom unit types have the highest demand and markets like Hamilton only have a 0.4% vacancy rate for this unit type. And we also discussed that investors often target one bedrooms. What are we seeing when we look at the conversions and pipeline in the Western markets versus markets like Halifax and Toronto, uh, are we seeing a consistent demand and pipeline in some of those markets or is there more in some than others? There's a couple of things there because there's been a lot of discussion over the last number of years with converting, uh, especially with uh, respect to Calgary and some of the older um, office buildings of, um, of converting the, those buildings over to um, purpose-built rental. But the challenge with that, and Marlon can get into the the, the, the costs um, to to make those conversions, it's a little bit more um, challenging in the way of of uh, the building makeup and what needs to be gutted and changed. And so there's 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 additional costs from that perspective. And a couple of projects that we've seen, and especially with Calgary, it's a little bit more targeted toward affordable housing where um, there's some sub subsidies provided by the, the government to, to, to make it a little bit more palatable for, for developers to convert some projects. But if you're looking at um, a little bit of um, government help and as well as you know, to address some of the affordability issues, I think we're gonna see some of that, especially when there's a lot more pressure on governments to provide more sort of affordable housing. But it's, it's going to be a, a challenge with um, some of the conversions. And what we have seen, especially with the investment market, last 
few years is um, purchases of, of just sites, even though there's an office building or some other or retail use. The intent of it is to knock it down in the next two or three years. Um, and that's why there's, there's a bit of a premium pay being paid on it. So despite the premium that's being paid on this property, sometimes it makes it more um, sort of from a financial standpoint, it makes more sense to knock it down rather than convert some of these older uh, projects. Yeah, I mean, on the cost side, conversions are really, really expensive. Um, generally, office is not designed to be turned into residential. There's inherent char uh, challenges on floor plates, floor to floor sizes, trying to accommodate mechanical system washrooms. Um, if the tower's of any age, we run into latent deficiencies, natural changes. If we've got to reclad it, half the time a renovation retrofit will be the same cost as knock it down new. I think part of the challenge with knock it down new is that then we have to put the employment use back in a lot of areas. And now we're putting back office in an area where it was questionable in the first place. So I think there's got to be a real review over that side of things. Just because an office was there before doesn't mean it should necessarily be put back based on where we are today versus in the 1960s, 1950s when this stuff was built. That's a whole different discussion on the fact that I think the Canadian municipality system half the time is stuck in the 1960s. But the other side on the Renault side of things is, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Renovations are not fun. They always go wrong, always. And there's always unknowns, it's not complications. You're not going to find many developers who spend $200 million on a retrofit and at the end call it a pleasant experience. It's, it's not, it's long. I mean, the project's always beautiful at the end, but the people don't get to see the developer sat at home at night, curled up in a ball, crying himself to sleep each night, going, why the hell did I decide this was a good idea versus just knocking it down? So they're expensive and they're challenging and we get them done, but it's not the easiest solution versus a nice greenfield site. And some of the challenges with these new projects, and especially a couple of the conversions, it doesn't really add additional um, units to the marketplace. It, re it replaces some of them. And what we're seeing uh, on with um, some of the, um, the, the existing purposeful rental that have excess land or uh, excess um, density capacity, uh, they're they're bringing on new new product and higher you know higher returns for for the investors, but they're not they're not adding to the inventory and they're in a certain extent creating uh, less affordability based on uh, repositioning some of these assets. So it'll be interesting to see with all this new development, as you, you mentioned Abby earlier, with the number of pipe. Um, projects in the pipeline uh, across Canada, whether or not that's gonna result in a, a, what, what percentage of net new will that add to the rental stock across Canada? Fred, yeah, no, that's that's very interesting. And there's, there's so much more to say about purposeful rental and I'm sure in the future we'll have another episode, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna ask one more question, maybe two more, but I think we touched upon it briefly, but if you can expand, Ray, how are cap rates looking for purpose-built rentals and which markets would you recommend to investors within Canada? Well, I'm, I'm hoping uh, Marlon backs me up on this, but with purpose-built rentals uh, compared to the existing um, stock of um, or to buy an existing asset, is that I think from a purpose purpose-built um, rental perspective, that there are higher, higher yields and higher potential returns rather than purchasing an existing property that may have um, some challenges with um, some, some capital improvements that need to be put on the, on, the, on the site. But what we've seen is very low cap rates. And historically, we've always seen low cap rates 
for apartments. Now it's, it's interesting. I know this is a probably it was definitely a different topic, but it's interesting how industrial is getting close to the cap rates that we're seeing on on the um, on the apartment side. But it's it's interesting with some of the transactions that we're seeing or used to seeing, you know, sub three, sub two, and sometimes in Vancouver you see sub one cap rates, but you know, with the transactions we saw in the last year, there's actually um, lower cap rates being paid for some of the older stock of apartment buildings. And you know that that's gonna be redeveloped into either type of mixed use or uh, a knockdown for, for, for newer product. So we're still seeing a premium being paid on those type of sites. And, and with, with some of the newer stock that I'm not, we're probably going to see more of us uh, a premium being paid for for some of these projects, and you're seeing that um, cap rates are 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 a little bit higher for some of the newer product, but the potential and the growth and the returns on on redeveloping and adding value or um, increase the density of the sites is is a healthy return. So when you look at I'm not really sure if you can go wrong with any of the um, of the major markets or the even secondary markets across um, Canada, and you know for 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 solid performance, but you're going to be paying a higher price. Is your Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal, but you're also seeing um, increased demand and lower cap rates, and not to the same pace as as Toronto, and Vancouver in markets like. Halifax and in Ottawa. I know that that's a bit of a general question, sorry, a bit of a general answer, but when you look at the overall shortage in housing, uh, as we said we said earlier in this, in this podcast, it's not going away anytime soon. So as long as the numbers work out in a way of um, performance, I think we're gonna see this asset continue to be successful and as well as probably a growing demand, especially in some of the secondary tertiary markets, as we see this sort of hybrid work from home and providing people a little bit more flexibility to where they work and um, where they live. Yeah, and I think the secondary tertiary markets, they've had a bit of a rise um, over the past few years in general anyway. So if you, I mean, if you look, again, Ontario is an easy one as an example, only around 40% of the new construction or starts and rentals actually in um, Toronto, most of it actually sits outside of Toronto in the rest of the province, be that Kitchener, Waterloo, be that um, London, be that Ottawa. And I think you start to see that pattern emerging now where um, strong universities, teaching hospitals, um, again, where we see the tech industry going and stuff, you're starting to see that move now where there is more purposeful rental, I think, outside of some of the major centres as well. It's not just in the major centres, whereas condos tend to focus on those very, very downtown um, locations. I use the downtown loosely, I mean, like, like GTA versus moving out. Um, but I think that's the sort of shift you see in the market. Rental's got a much more diverse market it can go to in terms of locations. And again, that bottom up has more room to go up, we were saying earlier. So I think in some of the secondary locations, there's still reasonable returns to be made, albeit I think everyone would like IRR and yield to be a lot higher than it is these days. But we're kind of in that market where there's more money than there is deals. So stuff's still going to go ahead. And when you look at the activity last year and the Greater Golden Horseshoe outside of Toronto, we saw $2 billion worth of apartments. So that's right behind um, industrial still and for the residential land component, but it's still very active. And um, it's, it's, um, 
it's a challenge finding product for for investors. So definitely expanding into the secondary markets, as as I mentioned earlier, with what's happening with with Hamilton and Southwestern Ontario and Marlon, your comment about the tech side of it, um, it hits home with with respect to Southwestern Ontario and that growth that we're seeing that area, and as well as the increase in both new homes and existing home prices. So I think. I think even though we're seeing increase in um, some of the interest rates, um, that um, I, I don't think I, I I don't think it's going to slow down. I think demand is is just going to keep up, especially with what's happening with uh, with employment growth. Yeah, we definitely do not have a demand problem across most of Canada. It's definitely a supply side issue, and I think that's the case in pretty much all locations or the vast majority of locations. Hence, unfortunately, revenue is going to go up. So. That touches again back to the wonderful affordability discussion we'll have to have in the future. Who the hell can pay for this? Great discussion and very valuable insights as always. Thank you, Ray and Marlon. Uh, Before we close off, any final thoughts, anything keeping you up at night or anything else you want to mention? Marlon closes this off quite nicely. So Marlon? No, I, I, I just stayed up all night last night because I made the mistake of having wine for lunch and then scotch before bed. So that was a terrible idea on a Monday, especially with it being Lent. But that aside, I think right now that my big concern is actually, and I think I've touched on this before, really I'm starting to have concerns over affordability and where this can go, and especially this demand supply imbalance. And the more we look at it, the more it's out of balance. And um, the challenge you have is I think the cost side of things are going to go absolutely crazier than even we previously had said, what was the last podcast a month ago around about costs? It's already gone with the geopolitical challenges and the, the level of demand we have in the market. Construction costs, especially on the commodity side, are completely out of control. Um, stuff like nickel was actually stopped trading because it went up so much overnight, they had to stop trading. And that's kind of where we're at right now. So I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, unfortunately. So... Thank you for the final thought, Marlon and Ray, for the inspirational office background. Great to see you there. Uh, We know that there are some serious geopolitical factors that are going to cause continued volatility that will provide new perspectives, perspectives weekly, if not daily. And there will be continued critical challenges with nickel and other construction costs. But most importantly, we're hoping for the safety of everyone out in Ukraine and You know, we're hoping for this to come to a resolution very soon. Our thoughts are with everyone and we we really hope for peace and and some resolution. Thank you for listening and uh, tune into our next podcast where we'll be discussing affordability challenges. Bye.